0: Good morning and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. So we want to start with the professional program and I want to start by thanking our friends here, Michael Stoller, Ty Barnes, Joe Fingerman, and Nadir Settles all of which are players in the real estate market, and we'll talk about their experiences, moderated by Michael, in a few minutes. Right before that and right now, I will start just talking a little bit about the market, what we're seeing in it. Many of, much of the information is here uh, in your reports. I'll try to make it brief and hopefully interesting. So 2019 has been a year of volume drop compared to the year before in all asset classes and investment sales in New York City, we've seen 35 billion dollars of transactions, a drop of 15 percent compared to the prior year, with transaction volume dropped 17 percent. In terms of submarket performance, pretty much every submarket was reduced in terms of the dollar volume of transactions, with the exception of Northern Manhattan. Northern Manhattan experienced one big deal of a billion one six, which was the Brookfield deal sale to Invesco and l and which skewed their numbers. In terms of specific product types, uh, we start with the development market. And when we go into the development market, we see as well a drop of close to 40%, or about $5.7 billion in total transactions. The submarkets performed very similar to the general market with a drop in dollar volume, with Northern Manhattan still leading the charge with a 26% increase year after year. And why is that? It's because of two transactions that took place, larger transactions for Upper Manhattan. One was a $68 million transaction on 122nd Street, which sold for about $380 a buildable foot earlier this year. That transaction was a tail end of a distressed deal uh, that took place over the past few years and 4650 Broadway, which took place all the way up as part of an Opportunity Zone deal and sold for $54 million or $285 a, a buildable foot. When it comes to pricing, we're really seeing mixed bag. We're seeing that Queens, Northern Manhattan, and somewhat Brooklyn stayed flat in terms of land prices in 2019, Manhattan, dropped 13%, not only in volume, but also in value, which is usually rare. And the Bronx increased in value 13%. So what really happened? Well, in the Bronx, as you can see here, between 2014 to 2019, we've seen consistent increase in dollar volume as the borough lags behind the rest. And you see a bigger jump in value between two thousand seventeen to nineteen as a result of introducing opportunity zones, the South Bronx is doing extremely well it's accessible to transportation and um, has a few transactions that took place which are leading transactions including the Brookfield deal that took place in two thousand and eighteen and the three hundred fifty five exterior deal that took place in two thousand and nineteen that's a lightstone deal opportunity zone seventy thirty rental with 2,000 units. Manhattan, on the other hand, didn't do as well this year with prices dropped to about, about 13%, as I just mentioned. But what's interesting is between 2010 and 2019, you see a graph of how it increased in volume of transactions and flattened the values somewhere in 2015 to 2017, and a big drop in volume last year. So why is that happening? Well, the first thing is rising uh, hard costs, including prevailing wage when it comes to building rentals. When it comes to building condominiums, the city is seeing a tremendous amount of oversupply. We're seeing 50% of the new condos that were online in between 2015 and 17 not selling yet. And we see higher taxes, both transfer taxes, mention taxes, And the fact that the federal tax reform that was signed in December 2017 does not allow for a deduction on your property taxes definitely affect us. That is in addition to the luxury market that has started to slow down somewhere in 2015. And part of it is because international investors are not buying as much as they used to uh, in the past. That also leads lenders, construction lenders and Joe from Signature can tell us more about it, to not lend as much based on condominium business plans and looking at every development site as a residential rental. So that's the development market. And now we're going into the multifamily market, which all of us know has been in turmoil since the beginning of 2019. And we want to say that we've had a major structural regulation change that we haven't seen I think in our lifetime uh, in New York City. And that added to a 40% drop in value, of in, sorry, in transaction dollar volume uh, for 2019. And we've had about $6.9 billion of transactions compared to $11.6 billion in 2018. The boroughs, each and every one of them, or the sub markets, with the exception of Upper Manhattan. Uh, so that drop. The leader was Queens and Manhattan, and then Brooklyn and the Bronx. Northern Manhattan, as I mentioned before, benefited for one, from one large transaction of billion one six that took place at some point in 2019. That's the Brookfield LM transaction. That transaction, by the way, was originally a Michelama building or Michelama portfolio that got out of the program in 2005. And was really an affordable play, which the city likes today and many of our investors are looking into. Not just that transaction, but in general. Multifamily pricing. We're looking at two metrics. One is price per foot and the other is capitalization rates in this specific presentation. Surprisingly, on a price per foot basis, we've seen increases in Manhattan and Brooklyn. Well, there's a reason for that. There's a 5% increase in Manhattan on a price-per-foot basis, and there's an 8% increase in Brooklyn on a price-per-foot basis. Well, most of the units that traded in 2019 in those 2 submarkets were free market units, which usually trade at a higher price per foot and also a higher capitalization rate on average. So that's not surprising. And then Northern Manhattan, the Bronx, and Queens prices on a price-per-foot have dropped. It's important to mention that all of these numbers eventually are lagging indicators as we've seen a very good amount of people on the sidelines in the beginning of 2019 starting to transact only in the fourth quarter of 2019 after some clarity on regulation took place. That leads us to believe that prices for rent-stabilized multifamily not only has come down but will come down further moving forward. In terms of capitalization rates, cap rates have gone up in pretty much every borough. Manhattan today on average trades close to a four cap or 26 basis points higher than 2018. Northern Manhattan close to a 4.7 cap or 67 basis points higher than 2018. The Bronx, 5.3 cap, 39 basis points higher. Brooklyn stayed flat at 4.7 cap on average and Queens is at 4.46 or 15 basis points higher than 2018. What are the bright sides of multifamily today? Well, free market units, especially if you have a value add proposition on the specific asset, are trading well, Uh, buildings with old 421As, where there is a gap between the preferential lease and the legal rent, and buildings and portfolios with a possible affordable execution potential, be it Article 11, 420C, or just a project-based Section 8. These are trading pretty well, and in addition, smaller buildings that are not regulated and have a tax uh, efficiency are also trading uh, pretty well today in the multifamily sector. In terms of the retail market, um, we know that the retail has has been suffering. We've seen stores like The Gap, Tommy Hilfiger, and Lord & Taylor along 5th Avenue closing. We know about the storefront tracker bill. Now you have to register each one of your leases and vacancies with the city. We know about the Business Job Survival Act or the Commercial Rent Control that is proposed to be here. So retail has to reinvent itself, and this is something that we've said before. We've seen Nike opening a store on Fifth Avenue with no cash registers, for example, and Target has opened six more format stores in Manhattan, one of them on the Upper West Side, which made my wife very happy. Office fundamentals, um, the Manhattan office leasing volume in 2019 has been actually very good with 43 million square feet leased up. It's 3% higher than 2018. It's important to say that most of it was done in relatively or new buildings, mostly in um, in Hudson Yards, and many of these leases were done by Tami. What technology, advertising, media, and information industries? About 33 percent were done by Tami, and 57 percent of these 33 were done by specifically technology company, the Facebooks of the world, the Amazons, the Apples, the Googles, and the Netflix all of which are anywhere between two and a half million square feet or 300,000 square feet to two and a half million square feet. So a lot of square footage is taken by new, in new buildings, by technology companies. I'm curious to see how Bs and Cs are, or buildings that are not as new are going to fare out in the next few years as the new buildings are being occupied and some tenants are leaving the older buildings. Um, so this is something to watch for. The industrial, uh, the industrial product type, in, industrial is doing extremely well. Two billion dollars of trades, about 62% year of growth year over year. One of the bellwethers is Blackstone buying GLP. GLP's massive warehouse portfolio, not New York centric, but definitely a bellwether and something to watch for. Uh, the Bronx has done extremely well in that arena. 130% increase year over year in industrial. 1601 Bronxdale, for example, was sold for close to $300 a foot. We we believe this will continue moving forward. What's on the watch list? On a macro perspective, the Federal Reserve is not expected to cut rates this year, and the interest rate environment is extremely accommodating, which definitely helps hold prices higher than they could have been, especially for multifamily and especially for regulated buildings. Uh, We see that this is definitely a driver in transactions today. We're in an environment with the lowest unemployment rate, which helps uh, especially the stock market. Uh, We are in election year, so something that will definitely, we think, slow down transactions in the second half of the year or at least in the fourth quarter. And there are some black swans, things we don't know about, like the coronavirus, other things that will pop up and we have to be prepared for, although they're really uncertain. Micro, rent regulation is in everybody's mind. I mentioned the possibility of commercial rent control. I'm going to mention right now the possibility of good cause eviction. That passes in June. This is essentially a universal rent control which affects free market units, so something to watch for. Opportunity zones, this is the year from a federal perspective where incentives are still in place There's gonna be still incentives in 2021, but a lot less so. The state, however, is thinking about putting an Opportunity Zone Plan for state purposes, uh, which is a positive. Rezoning initiatives that are taking place in the city, definitely a positive. And the fact that Mayor de Blasio announced that he wants to increase the amount of affordable units, assuming the city provides operators and developers the right incentives, it could be a positive as well. And these are the points that I wanted to make moving forward and looking at uh, where we are. Conclusions. We believe the transaction volume will stay pretty much where it is for 2020. It will be a political uncertain year, mostly because of the um, national elections. We will watch the New York State's legislative sessions anxiously to see what they come up with. Uh, We expect repricing of rent-stabilized multifamily to continue, and we think that there's going to be opportunity in New York City for, for those of you who want to invest. So with that, I would like to hand it over to my friend Michael Stoller to introduce our panelists and start the program.